Welcome back to Partners in Fright. My name is Devin. And I'm Joe. I sounded like a flight attendant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back to your favorite podcast. This week is my pick. I heavily influenced this, though. You did, but that's okay, because this is a first for our, our show, I guess. It's our first sequel. Our pod. Yeah. So it's our first sequel. It was Hell House LLC 2. The Abaddon Hotel. The Abaddon Hotel. And this one came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. Any opening thoughts? I was just looking up when the first one came out, and it was 2015. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay, cool. So just a couple of years. My initial thought was, if I were to rate this movie by itself, it would have a very different rating than if I were to rate the Hell House universe trilogy, whatever you want to call it. Like the Hell House cinematic universe? Yeah, I guess so. I was very entertained by this one. I liked the first one more. But this second one, the sequel, I appreciate the first one more after viewing this one. Okay. Just because it adds lore. Right. And like just more story around this this building. I, wait, did you look up what we rated the first one? No, but I can find out in two seconds. I mean, I can also find out in two seconds, not to brag. Nope, got to hear. Okay, so you rated the first one an 8 out of 10, and I rated it a 7 out of 10. Okay. Hmm. Very curious for the end of this episode when we rate the sequel. Also, I don't know if um, they knew that they were going to make the sequel when they were filming the first one, but in my amateur opinion, I'm going to say that they did not know they were going to make a sequel. I was very curious about that as well. I'm too lazy to look it up. <laughs> so what what were your initial thoughts on it? How'd you feel? I would have liked it a lot better if not for the end scene. Okay. Not like the very, like the, the whole end portion. Gotcha. I'm not talking about like the last scene oh, specifically. Okay. Like right. just the- Just the end. The ending. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So if you haven't listened to our episode on the first Hell House, obviously, highly suggest going to listen to that. Apologies for the poor audio quality in advance. (laughs) The second one, same found footage deal. You're welcome, everyone. Oh, yeah. Joe, our resident found footage lover. (laughs) I feel like you didn't even know that about yourself until you just started. I'm I'm loving. I'm learning things about myself. This is nice. We get the same found footage. It opens with a news report and it's called morning mysteries it seems very like hometownish, like sunday morning i don't know if anybody watches that is that a, i don't even know if that's a local thing no one probably knows what i'm saying you know it'd be awesome if that was an actual thing so like morning where, mysteries uh for like for just like regional stuff so for you listeners we're on the east coast and i think it would be pretty cool if there was like a morning show where there was a host and they brought on different like skeptics, researchers, into oh, like, like local it, ghost story type yeah. stuff. That would be cool. Stuff around town that people are familiar with. Like, hey, that bridge right outside of town with that has the troll or whatever, you know? <laughs> That'd be interesting. 
Um, side note, also we stayed in a very haunted hotel recently. Oh, yeah. And they even did a news story on it recently. It's like a 300-year-old hotel, but sadly, no experiences. No, that's okay. Okay, so it opens with Morning Mysteries. There's an anchor named Susie who kind of leads the show, and it's all like shot on a green screen background. Mm-hmm. But um, she has some footage from this guy's mom who's named Jackson Mullet, which is an unfortunate name. Wait, that was his mom? Uh, yeah. They showed his mom. Oh, I thought it was his sister. Oh, I thought it was his mom. (laughs) I guess we were not paying it. Older. Uh, yeah, she did. Okay. Because she shows the footage of him playing the piano, and I don't know. It just seemed like a motherly way of talking about it. Like, the way she was crying, I don't know. Yeah, but in that same footage, there was also his siblings, and there was, like, two older sisters. Okay, I did not find the answer, but I did find that the last name is actually Mallet, not Mullet. So I apologize <laughs> to anyone who has the last name Mullet. Okay, anyway, I at least got the vibe that that was his mom. Okay. But I could be wrong because I was just wrong about the last name. So this guy, Jackson Mallet, has been missing since August 2016, and his mom sister is being interviewed. She got text messages from Jackson, and they found out that the texts were coming from inside the house, <laughs> inside the hotel. Right. And they say to come to the Abaddon Hotel. They're all in the dining room. They have no eyes. And then it's just repeating, they have no eyes. Like, they show a simulation of, like, the text that she got. Right. Then they show footage that was found of Jackson in the hotel. And in the dining room, there was like classical music playing with two figures. Like he's filming it POV as like a vlog or like a, you know, a goodbye. Right. And behind him are two figures in cloaks in the dining room. There's music playing. I think he is kind of just giving up at one point. He's like slumped in a hallway. And there's a, a figure behind him. Yeah, it kind of reveals itself. It like slow. It looks like it was hunched down behind him, and then the figure slowly stands up, and then it starts walking towards him, towards the camera. His mom also got an email from Jackson's email account with a video of an empty room, and you can hear Jackson screaming. And there's a piano in the background. And that's when they play this, like, home video of the Mallet family with Jackson playing the piano, the same music that was playing in the previous video. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of looks up at his mom and says flatly, like, the hotel opens in 2009. And then the lights cut out, and they replay it. There's, like, a demonic voice during the power outage period where... It just says the Abaddon Hotel. Right. Thing is that the home video was filmed like in 94 or 97. Right. So so he's a little kid in the video. Yeah. So clearly he sounds like possessed, but he's talking about something in the future, which is kind of freaky. But now that it actually came to fruition, then it's really weird. Yeah. I kind of wish they dove a little more into his character because I feel yeah. like he was like, quote unquote, chosen 
the special one, and they just kind of show his fate at the end. That's it. Yeah, because we don't even know why he's in there, right? Yeah, like, was it a, a beckoning? Was, like, there something in him that was needing to, like, he was drawn to this place? And we know that there's another Hell House movie, and there actually, there's another one I looked up coming out next year. Oh, there is? Yeah, I think it's, like, the fourth one, I believe. Oh, cool. So I'm hoping in maybe the third one, they it's about Jackson, Maybe, yeah. But we learned that this place has effects on other people as well. Right. And then we get two other teenagers who have also disappeared in the hotel. And this is like after Diane died or at least disappeared. And she was the lady from the end of the first one. The one who's like making a documentary about what happened at the hotel and interviewing Sarah. What's her name? I think so. And... So they don't really go into like why Jackson was there in the first place, which you would think that they would because then they go right into a story on uh, two other teenagers who disappeared and they disappeared in the hotel right after Diane died or mm-hmm. at least disappeared. Yeah, but these weren't like they weren't possessed. I want to say it seemed like these two kids one. He said like this was done on a dare and the other was just like a Facebook live video. So I think it was just kids like something oh. happened there. So they hopped on like the bandwagon. Was I'm like, sorry. I'm just you, gonna... you were saying that he was like chosen because he was a kid and had that like premonition. I thought you meant like knowing what we know about the end of the movie that he was just like chosen to kind of be included in the domino effect, not necessarily like chosen as a kid mm-hmm. and like ended up there. Right. Okay. I get it. So the two other kids that went missing, they went missing after Diane died. And she's the lady from the end of the first movie mm-hmm. who's like interviewing Sarah, a.k.a. the ghost. And one of the kids Facebook live streamed it. So they have that video. And then the second kid who went missing, he has a video and he maybe that was the one that was done on a dare where yeah. he shows a skull in the ground and there's voices in the kitchen. And it actually sounds like the voices in the kitchen were people from the first video. It seems like there's we- some kind of weird time thing happening inside the hotel. Right. Where you can visit other, not necessarily visit, but like there are echoes from. Yeah, I thought the voices coming from the kitchen or wherever were the victims of the people setting up Hell House. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. So we are also introduced to three people, Jessica, Molly, and David, and they are a new group of investigators, and they're doing a story on the hotel. Mm-hmm. They've received like an anonymous tip and they want to search the fridge in the basement specifically because it wasn't searched by the police. So they're being filmed watching this interview happening live on TV. Right. And Susie, the anchor lady, she has on a guy from the magistrate of the town who's very uptight. Yeah. Bureaucratic, I guess would be the right word. Mm-hmm. And then there's Mitchell, which is the guy from Diane's team in the first movie. He's mm-hmm. the one who edited all the footage and put together the documentary. Right. And then the 
third guy is named Brock. I think he has a last name, Brock Davies. Mm-hmm. And he is on there from like a paranormal investigator. Like a medium. View. Yeah. Yeah. He's very charismatic and animated. Yes. So so the three of them, uh, Jessica, Molly, and David, decide that they want to get Mitchell involved with the project because he wants answers on Diane. Right. And they are like, we have concrete evidence. Like, we want to do this in a respectful way. And Jessica is very upfront. She's like, I don't believe in the paranormal. I don't believe in ghosts. There's a reason why this Mm -hmm. stuff happened. And the reason is in the basement. So that's kind of what she pitches to Mitchell. Do you think Mitchell and Diane were a thing? Yeah. Okay. Because he, throughout the movie, he seemed very determined to find out what happened to her. And was very upset when people were kind of taking the events lightly. And at first I was like, oh, wow, he's a very dedicated co-worker. But then as it progressed, I got the feeling that him and Diane were possibly a thing. I feel like if they weren't officially a thing, that maybe he liked her or had feelings for her. And they just like never came to fruition. But I think there was a little bit something more there. Either way, I think it was a combination of him needing closure and maybe survivor's guilt. Yeah. Because they mentioned he's the sole survivor of like the events from the, the first film. Right. Because if you remember the end of the first film, there's like two guys and I don't remember the other guy's name, but he's like the cameraman. And then Diane is like, Mitchell, you need to go edit that footage mm-hmm. that Sarah just gave us because she came with all the yeah tapes, tapes. from... Mm-hmm the original Hell House. So Mitchell stays behind while Diane and the cameraman go to Hell House. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I think it's a combination of things because with his job, you would think that he is kind of like a dedicated investigator. Or You know what I mean? He's doing documentaries. He wants the truth. Exactly. So then we cut to kind of like a random video and it's two guys and they pick up a hitchhiker And she asks for the Abaddon. This is still part of the morning mysteries thing, by the way. These two guys, they take her to the hotel. She goes inside the hotel. Mm -hmm. And they're worried because they think that something's wrong with her. Like, she doesn't know where she is or, like, what she's asking about. Because the place has been boarded up and nobody's there. But she just walks in, like, that's where she needs to go. Like, she is not hesitating about it. But, you know, they're worried something is going on with her so they follow her inside and she disappears into the basement they follow her down there and i wrote in my notes there's a very big guy down there with kind (laughs) of gray eyes and then afterwards there's text that explains that the girl who was hitchhiking was actually hitchhiking to the opening of hell house at the abaddon like the night of the incident let's call it Mm mm-hmm and that the figure in the basement is supposed to be her? It was a little confusing because everything was really hectic. So the girl runs down the steps to the basement and then the guys follow through with the camera. And of course it's it's found footage and so they're going to build tension. So the camera's kind of like pointing towards the ground or the wall. And then at the last minute it cuts to the basement and it shows you the figure real quick. And then the guys, you know, freak out and go to run up. I thought the same exact thing. As soon as they give you that one second image of this thing, I thought it was some really big dude with long black hair. 
Yeah, she was extremely tall. Yeah, and then and looked like a metalhead, honestly. Yeah, exactly. And then later on, they have the picture, like her picture, and then the picture from the footage in the basement side by side, and clearly you're like, oh, okay. That yeah, was then I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but who's really freaky? Yeah, they had like cloudy gray eyes, and ugh, basements always they they skeep me yeah. out sometimes. I don't like basements either, but you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the last scene that we get from this morning mystery show. Mm -hmm. And we get a kind of classic found footage camaraderie team building shot in a diner with Jessica, Molly, David, and Mitchell. It kind of seems like David and Molly Molly. are a thing. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if they were kind of just a friends with benefits or if they're dating. Oh, I don't know if it's like that or like an official relationship, but there's definitely something going on between yeah. them too. So they start slow dancing like away from the camera, away from Mitchell and Jessica who have a conversation and mm-hmm. Jessica asks Mitchell what he really thinks happened with Sarah and he said that he'll answer when the cameras aren't rolling. And I didn't realize this after we finished the movie, but now I'm realizing it that he never answered her. Holy shit. <laughs> Maybe he'll answer in the third one. If he's, oh, he has to. Okay. Well, yes, maybe we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> um. So he doesn't answer that. Mm-hmm. And Brock Davies, who's the paranormal investigator guy mm-hmm. who was on Morning Mysteries, he's joining the investigation to bring in that different, I guess, point of view. Well, that and also he wants to get in on it because the Hell House has been in the news. It's really popular. So you could tell he's like hamming it up a little bit for ratings for his own show. Yeah. And he is kind of very separate from this core group. Oh, absolutely. I think honestly. It's like a third party. Yeah. Like I think he was honestly just brought in so that like the filmmakers could be like, we need somebody to kill off like early (laughs) and to really start the spooks going, but we don't want to kill off any of the main team yet. So Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what happened there. Anyway, so Mitchell is kind of meeting with the group and they're about to go into the Abaddon Hotel and he's like, if something goes wrong, drop all the cameras and get out. And David is notorious for never stopping filming. Right. He always has a camera rolling. He says, if he, I go to the bathroom, the camera follows me to the bathroom. So <laughs> Jessica and David are not having that. They're like, the cameras never stop rolling. Mm-hmm. It's non-negotiable. Molly ends up staying behind. Yeah, she, even from the beginning, you could tell she's like the nervous one. She's scared that something might actually happen. And it doesn't help that Mitchell the entire time is being very stern and very like serious. Yeah, very worrisome. It was like, you know, he was there. Shit has happened. And so I like that they have this dynamic between this group. You have the person who wants to go and investigate. You have the person who will never stop filming. You have the person who is like scared shitless and you have a person that I'm finding out that I I really like this trope of a person who survives something is either forced or has to make a choice to go back to said place to either help out or get answers. And it is just interesting seeing what that person does differently to try and survive again. He's the only one who went through this. No one fully believes him, you know? Right. I think it's interesting, though, because he never went into the hotel. 
Yeah, he did. When? He was the camera guy for Diane. But they never went into the hotel before they went to go search for Sarah, right? They broke in, in at the end of the first movie. Right. And they went to that room like 2C or whatever. Yeah. And then that's when they saw that figure. Yeah, Mitchell wasn't there. That's the only reason he survived because he was back at the studio editing the footage. Oh, I thought he was the camera guy. No, the camera guy's also missing. Oh, shit. Okay. They they just like <laughs> never focused on the camera guy because they were like, mm, he's not important by Diane. These movies secretly have way more depth than you would think. I'm really liking these movies. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. good. I kept thinking about the movie today and I was like, man, I'm so glad that like we picked a good one, I guess. Like a, a good one that we've never seen before. Like that's such a good feeling. Yeah. And like, especially I, I feel like horror fans like know that you have to go through like 50 shit movies to right. get one that's like remotely good and to give you that feeling again. Yeah, and it's it's different because this isn't, you know, this isn't like insidious or conjuring or sinister. I feel like it's its own little niche mm -hmm. corner of, of the horror genre. There's something like kind of charming about it. It's not entirely scary, but there's definitely good chunks of both the first one and the sequel. Yeah. That I was kind of like on edge a little bit. Yeah. Every time they go into that goddamn basement. Oh, yeah. The basement's <laughs> the worst. I also liked this group of people, I think, more than I liked the original group. Okay. Um, I think I liked that it was more concentrated, that there weren't as many people to follow, like as many uh, relationships. Yeah. And it was easy to get everybody's like kind of trope down. Whereas the first one had, I think, more people involved and. It felt a little bit all over the place at times. Oh, I was going to say when we were talking about uh, Mitchell being like really serious about investigation or going back into the hotel, we didn't even touch on how Morning Mysteries had so much fucking evidence for ghosts or like paranormal activity that if you aired that shit on television, like they had <laughs> footage after footage after footage of like multiple different people that disappeared, that got clearly injured inside the hotel. Like right. there are weird cloaked figures there, weird voices, clearly a possessed child. Like, I don't know how much more evidence you want. I would watch that show every morning. I mean, the ratings the are gonna go through the roof. <laughs> Love it. So they get to the hotel Molly, like we said, is staying behind as a lookout, but also because she's low-key nervous. Mm -hmm. And the door's already open when they get there. Oh, so one of the kids that disappeared at the beginning, he's like on Facebook Live or whatever, and he's talking to his viewers, and he gets to one of the entrances, and he's talking, and the door just by itself slowly opens for him, and he freezes. He goes in, and... I love that this building is its own entity. It's like its own character welcoming these people in. I yeah, love it. That's a good observation. I didn't even put that together with the kid on the Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. So they're all like, oh, that's a great omen that the door's already open. <laughs> Brock shows up late and he is, like Joe said, shockingly a very corny personality. And it seems like, you know, he normally like, fakes stuff for his show yeah but he's in for a treat 
So Jessica, David, and Mitchell split from Brock and his cameraman, and they find some graffiti on the wall that says the door's open. It says it in Spanish, and none of them know how to read it. I don't know how they can't just guess it from, like, context clues. The stuff that's painted on the wall? Or is it Latin? It's Latin. Oh, I'm sorry. And they kind of crudely translate it to, like, the door is open. No, they never translate it. I looked it up. Oh. And it is the doors are open. Or the door is open, something like that. Maybe I secretly know Latin like very well, but it seemed like that phrase was very easy to translate. You're smart. I don't know. <laughs> now it just sounds super pretentious. It's like What's those Latin people are for pretentious. Dumb. They didn't know what that said. <laughs> anyway, Mitchell sees blood smeared on the floor, and that's where Sarah died. Brock in the other room with his cameraman, begins addressing Tully, who, quick recap, if you don't remember, is the guy who owned the hotel originally, Mm -hmm. and he was just a very evil, nasty person, and he hung himself and his family, right? In I don't know if it was him and his family, but it was definitely a couple of people. Yeah, I forget his whole story. So Brock begins talking directly to Tully and kind of saying like, you know, are you here with us right now? Like we would like to communicate with you. And suddenly two nooses appear on the ceiling, which I thought that was a great touch, a great Mm -hmm. effect, but they have no reaction to this happening in real time. Like (laughs) they clearly have never seen any kind of paranormal activity to this extent. And they're just kind of like, oh, that's not good. I think he's like, those weren't there before, were they? And then the camera guy's like, no. Yeah. So then it cuts back to the other team, and they made it down to the basement to get into this fridge that the police never searched. Mm Mm-hmm. The clowns are still down there. Fuck those clowns. That was not cool. (laughs) Then they see, like, the shackles that the one girl was, like, chained to. Yeah, the the scare actress. And Jessica, like, manhandles them. She really fondled those shackles. Yes, right? Like, it was a long time. I was expecting her to, like, fondle the shackle and tell the house to cough. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So they find the basement fridge, and there's, like, boxes and boxes of files. So this is, like, what they were searching for. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we cut back to Brock and his camera guy. He uses a planchette and writes like Y and N on a table. Mm -hmm. And the dining room is for some reason filled with like a bunch of prop bodies. Like you would think that all the stuff from Hell House would have been cleared out like after the cops came. Who would clear it out though? The cops? I don't know. For what? I, I think they just took care of whatever they could evidence-wise and bodies and just left everything else. I guess. So it's all filled with prop bodies and one of them moves its head. It's like a nice effect where he pans across the room, its head is facing one way, and then mm-hmm. when you're panning back, then the head is facing, facing towards it. you. There's a couple things throughout this movie where it's little stuff like that where you... I feel like if we go back and rewatch it, we might catch another thing. Yeah. I know that we had to stop a couple of times and rewind Mm -hmm. just to like see it again or like one of us would miss it and then the other one 
would yeah, catch I, it. I love that a lot of this stuff is subtle. Not everything is in your face. You have to kind of like really pay attention and like look around the frame. And that's what I was doing at least. Every time the camera would go by like the window in the kitchen, I was just trying to look everywhere to see if I could see like an outline or a shape of a body. So after this body moves its head, it then stands up and they book it out of the dining room. And then when they round the corner, this girl is like just standing there mm-hmm. with her eyes all gray, like the the hitchhiker yeah. from the beginning. And a text box comes up that says they're still missing to this day. And that just kills me because who in their right mind would look at this footage and then be like, oh, those guys are missing. Like they just ran out of that house and then never went back to their lives when there's clearly like a girl. Oh, yeah. And also we'll get to this, but later on they find that Brock and his cameraman are hanging from the ceiling. So it's weird that they would put that they were missing. Unless that's like the unrated <laughs> version. Yeah, unreleased footage. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that. Yeah. So the gang downstairs is going through some files and tapes, and one of the clowns walks by in the background, which Ugh. is the scare that I didn't see, so we had to rewind. Very spooky. Just super subtle. You could miss it in a blink of an eye. Molly comes over the walkie and says that she's inside the hotel, And David goes to get her. When he gets up there, she says that David radioed her and told her to come inside the hotel. And he's like, no, I never did that. What are you talking about? (laughs) And so he calls down to Jessica and Mitchell and says that something weird is happening. Mitchell seems to instantly know what's going on or just gets super freaked out. And he's like, we need to go now. So Jessica and Mitchell grab the rest of the stuff from the freezer in the basement and they come back up to Molly and David in the lobby. Molly came through the front door, but that door is now locked and they decide to hit up the dining room to grab Brock and his camera guy and then leave. This is when we see that Brock and Malcolm are hanging. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) The planchette with the table there, the writing now just reads yes, 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 yes. I thought was cool. It was just like Mm -hmm. a quick pan down to the table. Yeah. And the clown is now at the exit door. But the door's open. Right. And and the clown is, it looks like a mannequin. It's like leaning against the wall. Yeah. But it's completely straight. And the face of the mannequin or the clown is looking down the hallway at them. And so they're like, uh, fuck. Well, no. At first, it's looking straight ahead. Oh, that's right. And then they make like, two steps down the hallway to get to the exit and then its face turns down to them i would have just had everyone just rush rush down the hallway to the door i don't think it would have made a difference because the door slams pretty quickly that damn house um and then the clown probably would have gotten you so bad decision you died fuck that clown (laughs) (laughs) mitchell and david tried to break down i think the front door but they all get spooked because I think they hear something. I It was so quick, I didn't hear what it was. Yeah, I, I didn't catch it either. I'm wondering if they heard maybe the piano music or something. Anyway, they go upstairs, which Joe is very critical of during the movie. Every time. Both movies. Hey, we can't In escape. their defense, there's a balcony with like an exit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, like Mitchell, he even says that there is a balcony upstairs. Whereas in the first movie, I think they went directly like to the attic. Oh, yeah. But now all the lights turn on, even though the power is still supposedly out. And there's a bunch of bodies on the second floor. And when I say bodies, I mean like prop bodies Mm -hmm. set up from Hell House, like the haunted house. And the strobe lights are back. Yes, the strobe lights are back. All of like the spooky lighting. And the same lady who got Brock is up there. She's kind of like hospital patient looking. I think she's wearing some kind of gown and mm-hmm. she has blood like on her stomach. It looks like she's been shot or something. <laughs> just like really scraggly hair. They see her and then they just kind of turn around and go the other direction. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. And they barricade themselves into one of the bedrooms. So Jessica says to Mitchell, accusingly, that he knew something was wrong when Molly came on the radio. So Jessica is kind of like, what gives? It cuts to Mitchell on Morning Mysteries, saying that he believes that something within the hotel reached out to Alex originally from the first movie, who bought the hotel and set up the haunted house to bring them there. And that there's just kind of this chain of events like dominoes following Mitchell says to Jessica, how did you get that letter that was sent to you where you found out about the freezer? And she says that it came from an anonymous source that led her basically to contact Mitchell. So he says that, you know, it's all kind of interconnected. Something is forcing these events to happen, basically. They end up trying a different channel on the walkie because all of their cell phones don't have service. But... It's just a demon voice. So (laughs) it's just a demon voice. I will say that the demon voices were kind of like very stereotypical. Like, Mm -hmm. well, we'll we'll see you in hell. (laughs) (laughs) David is in the corner on his camera and he's looking through all the tapes that they found, like putting the tapes in his camera and playing them back. And they found one of Alex at the hotel six months before the first movie. And they're all kind of like, well, that's weird because Alex never stepped foot into the hotel. Right. Or at least according to the footage that they had from Diane and Mitchell's documentary, he had never stepped into the hotel before they all came as a team. So it's Alex having a conversation with this mysterious, like, old-timey salesperson. And he's kind of talking Alex into buying the hotel. Yeah. Do you have a theory on who that is? At the time of watching it, I mean, I know now who it was, Mm -hmm. but at the time of watching it, I thought it was the guy from The Magistrate that they showed on the interview. Me too. Also, when David is going through the tapes, you see him like, he has like a marker or something, and I guess he's labeling the tapes. And if you pay attention, he's clearly like scribbling above the tape, like pretending to write something on there. That's it. That's all. I just want to add that little tidbit. I was just going to say that I did think that it was the guy from the magistrate, but he sounded so corny that I was like, this isn't the same guy. Because the guy from the Morning Mystery show was just like so uptight and bureaucratic. And this guy was basically like the devil salesman person. Right. Then we cut to Jessica in a police interview. She's clearly shaken up. Her nose is like bloody. She's very disheveled. The police are interviewing her and all that she is able to say is that there was so much blood. And then she gets kind of like glassy eyed and just says, 
something about the Lake of Fire, which I knew was mm-hmm. the name of the third movie. So I was like, ooh, lore. Right. Like yeah. name dropping the third movie. This is <laughs> yeah. exciting. But then I will save my comments until a little bit later, but I it comes up again. So Molly says that she wants a vacation where she can binge watch so you can think you can dance. So specific. Honestly, yes. <laughs> so they hear piano music and the lights go out and the voiceover says like sleep sweet. Did you hear that? No. It's a demon voice, I think. Hmm. It's the same kind of voice that was on the tape of Jackson when he was a little kid. Oh, okay. That they had to like auto enhance, which I guess would make sense if they hear the piano music. But the lights come back on, and this is the scene that really got me. But in the background, and it's dark, so mm-hmm. you can't really see it very well because there's like the three people in frame, and then just back in the doorway, just subtly framed, is this girl's head like peeking into the room. Yes, but kind yeah. of like more horizontal, so it doesn't make much physical sense like you couldn't like you would really have to do some gymnastics to like hang your head like that right as a alive person (laughs) and this was something that i missed so we had a we had to go back and rewind to catch it so good eye on this one i didn't like seeing it a second time (laughs) so after we see the girl molly is missing and in her place is a note that says lovely molly is in the basement with her friends. David is upset, like, they need to go get Molly immediately. Right. And he's, like, so childishly angry that the lights are not working. He's, like, very pouty and is like, how are these lights not working? (laughs) I love how childish the note was as well, or how playful it was. Yeah, that was interesting. So they go down to the basement to get Molly, Molly is being held by one of the clowns, which, oh my God, nightmare fuel. Mm-hmm. Jessica holds the camera while David and Mitchell go slowly towards Molly. And then when they reach her, Jessica says, hurry up because someone is coming. But I don't think that we really hear anything unless mm-hmm. we had the volume turned down too low. Yeah. And then Molly wakes up screaming, which of course you would. Like, that's terrifying to wake up in the lap of a clown. <laughs> And they try to pry the clown off of her. And then the wall explodes. There's just a giant red circular portal now opened in the basement. This is where it kind of started to lose me. And I noticed that the portal is where... I don't know if you noticed this, but earlier when What's-Her-Name was fondling the shackles... Mm-hmm. on the wall there was a huge pentagram spray painted on the wall yeah and that's exactly where the portal oh, okay. is now that makes sense honestly i was on board with the portal because looking back to the first movie that would make a lot of sense of how those cloaked figures would suddenly get there mm-hmm. it would also make sense of like the kind of time warpiness of the hotel so like right, yeah. hearing voices from you know, back in 2009, I think, was, like, the first quote-unquote incident. Right. I was following it here. So some cloaked figures grabbed Mitchell and David. Molly and Jessica book it upstairs. And all these strobe lights are flashing, and we see a clown that just slowly comes closer. But then the lights turn off, 
and the camera glitches and it's a close up of the clown. And then we cut to the interview again with the first time that Jessica reached out to Mitchell. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're meant to kind of put together that the clown got Jessica and Molly because then Mitchell wakes up and he sort of kind of escaped, not really. But he's in the basement and he has the camera and then he goes upstairs and runs into Sarah from the first movie who's on the floor on the phone with her mom completely normal Mm -hmm. and then Mitchell just kind of walks over her and as he walks past her her voice goes demonic which I think this was my second favorite scare of the movie because she goes like no mom I already told you I'm in hell and Mitchell's coming with us yeah it was good so Mitchell wakes up on the floor somewhere after that because I guess Sarah rushed him and attacked him or something. So he wakes up on the floor somewhere. I think it's the dining room. And he sits down with two guys. And I thought that they were the two guys from the Hitchhiker video, but they're actually Alex and Mac. Mac. Mm-hmm. Thank you. There's also two hooded figures who are Jessica and Molly. Yeah, they're like tied to chairs. Wait, where's David in all this? David got taken in the portal. Oh, okay. So we don't know where he is. Right. Okay. And so everything that's happening in this dining room, which seems kind of like a different dimension dining room than the one that they were just in. Do you agree with that? How so? I don't know. It just seemed like... I thought Mitchell was also taken through the portal, so... See, that's where the portal thing kind of lost me because everything is so chaotic. I thought I saw David get pulled into the portal and then you hear the girls running after that. And I just kind of assumed Mitchell was maybe with them or we're not sure what happened to him until he wakes up in the dining room. But the dining room looks pretty much the same. The only thing that was different is I think the tables were kind of rearranged I guess I'm just thinking that it's like a different dimension because there's the cloaked figures, spoiler, and we're going to get to it in two seconds, <laughs> Tully is there, who mm-hmm. was like the demony salesperson that Alex was talking to in that found footage. Right. And then there's Diane, who's like half her face is missing. Oh yeah, she's playing the piano. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird congregation of like too many dead people. And I was like, this seems like a different layer mm, okay, of the yeah. house. I don't know. No, I can see how that. to put it. All of this kind of footage is spliced together with Mitchell on the Morning Mysteries interview with him saying he's going to stay far away from the hotel and he's never going to go inside the hotel, but he's going to keep searching for answers for Diane. Boiler, he goes back. There's also. A new piece of information brought in from this news show. And the anchor says that this guy, Russell Wynn, is receiving anonymous footage from the Abaddon Hotel. And I thought that was a nice setup for probably the sequel. Right. Like the third one. And then that guy from the magistrate calls the anchor after the interview and says, I apologize for not being there. Because I got into a car accident and I couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, this guy was literally in the studio 30 seconds ago, but it wasn't him. It's easily done. It's kind of like cheapy, but I love it. Yeah. 
the guy from the magistrate in the interview was meant to be Tully, which I think it makes sense that we both thought that Alex was talking to the magistrate right. guy, but they do definitely have different like tones and personalities, I think. So anyway, Tully is just this, I don't know, all-powerful demon it comes off as. Yeah. Because he's, like, shape-shifting in the real world to, like, go on an interview for half an hour. Have have you ever seen The Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves? Spoiler, but uh, the devil is Al Pacino. And in the movie, he's a very, like, rich, suave guy. And that's how he... The character in Hell House, Tully, seems very like that. Kind of upscale, dressed in a suit. He knows pretty much what he wants later on he gives mitchell this choice yeah like he's definitely he's like a, a demon him. oh absolutely so that was a lot of information if you're still mm-hmm. with us we've got in the room <laughs> two cloaked figures we've got jessica and molly they are not cloaked uh, and then diane playing the piano mitchell face. yes <laughs> mitchell tully and then Alex and Mac, who are not speaking. They're kind of just there for show, I would say. Right. Tully confronts Mitchell. And we find out that he's got this big plan. He says that he's been the one who's orchestrating basically everything. Mm-hmm. And he actually uses the same phrasing that Mitchell used earlier was that He's there to make sure that all the dominoes fall right. into place and pretty much says that Mitchell is another domino and that he needs to make sure that he falls in the right way. He also has really cryptic language and says, our lake of fire that we have chosen to enter not been cast here. And he says something like, not like your Bible says. And they found the gateway. I don't know. This seems like a bunch of setup for the third movie. Mm-hmm. Tully says that Mitchell has a choice to make, and that choice is he has to pick who leaves the hotel today to basically carry on the story and deliver footage, essentially. Some cloaked figures stab Molly because he won't make a choice, and Tully's kind of like, I'll make it easy for you and narrow it down to two. And then there's a weird cut after Molly dies to the interview while Tully is like info dumping on Mitchell that he gave Jessica the anonymous letter about the freezer and he's been sending this dude Russell win all the footage and he'll soon be sending this very tape too that we're watching now. And then we cut lastly to the police interview and Jessica's there. A cop crosses over the camera, which this was uh, fun, I thought. He crosses in front of the camera, and after he does so, Jessica's face gets all grinchy, like grinchy and demony. Like scarred up a little bit. Like, have you seen Jim Carrey do the Grinch face without mm-hmm. being in makeup? Yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. And then he crosses back over in front of the camera, and she's normal again. Mm-hmm. And she tells the cops to go to the Abaddon. She thinks that's a great idea for them. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. So do you think when Tully gave Mitchell the choice? So when you think Tully gave Mitchell the choice to pick between essentially himself and Jessica, who do you think he chose? 
It didn't seem like he gave an answer. He never said anything. Well, they cut away, and that's supposed to, you know, leave you on the edge of like, oh, what, who did he choose kind of deal. Okay. And then you see Jessica, so then you're like, shit, did he, like, sacrifice himself so Jessica could be set free? And then was it just, like, a trap all along where no one technically escapes? Jessica is out, yeah, but now she's, like, this, like, demon right. kind of deal? Or did Mitchell choose himself? Something happened with him. Maybe now he's in the portal, and then Jessica is out, like, <laughs> quote-unquote, recruiting. Mm, so totally, like, kind of totally Tully in way. disguise or something. Yeah. Like, how he shape-shifted into the magistrate guy. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to watch the third one, and I want to see if Mitchell is in the portal, if we are taken to the portal. And I think it would be really fun if the third one was detectives or cops- Mm. actually going in okay and i also really want to get more of uh was it jackson at the very beginning is that his name yeah yeah i want to get more of like jackson's story okay i had the feeling that mitchell sacrificed himself and because he wanted to get answers for diane he saw diane down there and i think he also kind of had a thing for jessica so Oh, really? I got that impression. Hmm, I didn't. Oh. It just seemed but like they guy, were... I'm oblivious to, <laughs> to those things. It just seemed like they were having, like, a very intimate, like, conversation a couple of times. Hmm, okay. I don't know. I could be reading into it too much. But I think you bring up a lot of good questions for the third one, and I'm very yeah. interested. I think I actually saw a TikTok the other day that was of the third one. So I'm oh, excited. Really? Yeah, because it was a it was a good scare. Yeah, the third one is called Lake of Fire. Oh, that was the other thing. Predictions for the third one. Like the portal makes sense to me because I knew that the third one was called Lake of Fire. Somebody mentioned Lake of Fire and I was like, wow, that red portal really looks like what a lake of fire would look like. Mm-hmm. And then also Tully mentions like a gateway. So that makes sense to me. I'm like, okay, the portal takes you to the ring of fire or whatever. Lake of Fire, not Ring of Fire. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Can I just say, poor Mitchell. Yeah. But he was, he, I think he was my favorite character in the whole movie. I thought it was super brave of him to actually go back behind enemy lines. And I was like, oh my God, he has to go through this shit again. And I don't know what's worse, experiencing it without knowing what the hell is going to happen or going back and knowing what could happen. Mm. And you know, I keep saying he's going back, but he never, he never went. Yeah, that's his first time there. You're right; he wasn't there. I keep saying that, but well, no, it makes sense because like he is kind of going back in spirit. I mean, he had to edit all that footage, right, and see Diane go missing. Yeah, which like who is going into the hotel and picking up all these lost cameras? Well, okay, I guess that's answered for me. Tully is sending it out in, like, unmarked envelopes, but... Oh, and as creepy as the clown was, I feel like he didn't have nearly as much of a part or a role in this one as the first one. For sure. I'm also surprised that more people, like, don't talk about these movies. They are pretty underrated. They're pretty decent. Um, And, yeah, they're good. Mm-hmm. Actually, we asked in October, like, on our Instagram... What's your must watch 
movie for Halloween to like get you in the spirit. And somebody mentioned Hell House and I was like, that's a great, that's a great one. <laughs> right. But then the Dead podcast uh, messaged us and that's Desi and Emmy's Abnormal Discoveries podcast. And they said that they had just watched the first one and didn't know that it was like a sequel or a trilogy, but they're going to try to watch the other two movies. So nice. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts? Overall, I really enjoyed it. I love that there's open-ended questions to lead into the third one. And I think the first one they went into making, not knowing it'll be a success to lead to a second one. You know what I mean? But now that it was pretty successful, there's a lot of stuff that's open-ended from the second one to make a third one, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I love the little scares. I think my favorite scare is probably when they're all in the room and then they move. I think it's Mitchell who moves to the side and you see the, the girl just like right there in the doorway. Just thinking about it now gives me a little... Yeah, I did not like that. Little shivers. The acting was like... I thought it was it fine. Was all right. Molly was... Thought it was better than the last movie we watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are correct with that. So I'm curious as to see who we're going to see in the third one. And I love that these movies are starting to have more connective tissue with each other. And I feel like I'm loving these movies <laughs> the more I watch. And I appreciate like the first one even more. Yeah, I really liked this one all the way up until the end with the stuff with Tully. I don't know. It just got a little convoluted to me. Yeah. I didn't need it to go that lore heavy or like. Mm, okay. I don't know. It seemed like a Scooby-Doo villain, like ripping off the mask and being like, it was me the whole time, you know? I yeah. don't know. And then it's like what's left for the third one. If you already kind of know who the big bad is. Right. Yeah. I was with it a hundred percent until the portal. But we'll we'll see. We're definitely going to watch the third one. So yeah. we'll, we'll see if it's worth it or not, if there's that payoff. Yeah, I would be really interested, like you said, to see it from a perspective of, like, detectives. Because mm-hmm. anyone who knows me knows that I love the movie. I never remember the name. So clearly, how much do I love it? <laughs> what is it? The Devil? Oh, The Devil Inside? Yeah. With okay. uh, Eric Bana? Yes. Yeah. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because the flop house did a episode on it and I was like slightly hurt by the fact that it was the flop house. I mean, yeah. they rate like, they <laughs> right. talk about shitty movies and I was like, oh, right in the feels. I like <laughs> that one. What's your rating? I'm going to give this a six and a half out of 10. Oh, uh, so close. I went seven. Oh, wow. Okay. You liked it a lot more than I thought you would. Or well, your rating was higher than I thought. I settled on my rating. At the beginning of this episode, when you said what my rating was, or what our ratings were for the last one. Right. So yours was an 8 out of 10, and mine was a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to go higher than the first one, because I, I enjoyed the first one more than... Yeah. Than I The one. scares, though, in this one did stay with me. Like... Yeah. Joe knows that, like, <laughs> the sign of a good horror movie for me is that I don't want to be left alone afterwards. <laughs> right. I don't even want the bathroom door to be closed because I am just terrified. <laughs> and I was like that last night when we watched it. So, sign of a good one, for me at least. And, yeah, I feel good with that rating. Rewatchability? 
I would rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Do you feel like you need to watch the first one in order to fully understand this one, or could someone jump right into this one? I think that yes, you would need to watch the first one because there's a lot of info dump on Tully in the first one, mm-hmm. and you also kind of get the backstory with Alex, Mac, and Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So we found this on Tubi, and it's an hour and a half, but it it goes by really quick. I don't feel like it's that long. Yeah, I thought it was easily digestible. Anyway, we will definitely be reviewing the third one. And when is the fourth one slated to come out? Do you know? I think next year. Let me do a quick Google. While Joe is Googling, I did just want to make a quick announcement that we already made on our Instagram. We will not have any new episodes on December 20th or December 27th. Um, we always try to get our episodes out on Tuesdays. Sometimes doesn't happen, but for the most part, we are pretty consistent. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break for the holidays. Yeah, it's the holidays and we have two kids. What do you guys want? Yeah. <laughs> we're doing our best here. Yeah. So Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor is a new prequel that will come to Shudder in 2023. Oh, okay. Every story has an origin. And we've learned this week that the found footage horror hit Hell House LLC is getting a brand new prequel next year, set to be the franchise's fourth film. Very cool. Oh yeah, I'm very excited. I'm gonna. It clearly has a very good like cult following. Like, there's not a lot mm-hmm. of people who know about it, but the people who do seem to really love it. I'm interested in what the Carmichael Manor is because Manor is like it's a building, and is it like a different building than the Abaddon Hotel? Or did it just change names? But it is a prequel, so it's going to have some sort of connection to the Abaddon Hotel. I keep wanting to call it Aberdeen Hotel. It's a town in... Oh, all that I thought of was the Cage the Elephant Elephant song. song. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. I'm happy that we watched this. Would definitely recommend. Yes, absolutely. Next week is Devin's pick. And you said you already had an idea on what you're choosing? I have a slight idea, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do it, so I'm not going to drop any hints right now. Okay, no worries. And, oh, we are now on Hive. It's a new social. Joe's got these new fancy social media Well, who knows knows what the hell's going to happen with with Twitter, so I figured we just hop on on the ground floor and, and see what happens. But if for whatever reason you guys are on Hive, you can find us at Fright Partners. We just have a couple stuff on there, but yeah, just thought I'd shout that out. Nice. But we're still on Twitter and and Instagram as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We can link the first Hell House episode in the show notes. And we will see you next week. Sleep tight. Sleep sweet.